How we doing, church? Are we doing well? Happy New Year. Happy 2020. Are you excited? It is a new decade. Well, hey, uh, what a joy it is to have the privilege to speak and spend our very first Sunday with you. And can I say, for the record, at the moment, you have perfect attendance in church. And uh, yeah, you've already had a gain, already had a win. You've already hit a goal. And uh, let's hope that remains the same for the next 52, 51 weeks to go. It's not too bad when you put it that way, 51 Sundays to go. But hey, uh, I do want to bring love from my wife, Leah. She's not here. She's just still recovering at home. But she wants to also tell you a very happy new year. She's thinking of you, praying for you. And don't worry, she will be back. Uh, But what a joy it is. Hey, uh, for those of you who don't know, we have a culture in our church where on the 31st, I think around 10.30, 10.45 p.m., we have what we call a prayer praise night uh, around New Year's. And some of us came together. I was really impressed with the turn up. Uh, if you were there, praise God. Great to see the hunger that's in the house. Uh, but uh, every, every year, we take that time to share a word that we feel God has for us as a church. Uh, I remember, I think in 2012, in 2017, the word for us was... Uh, I actually forgot what the word was, but it was a good word. Uh, All things new. It was all things new. I was testing you. Uh, In 2018, uh, the word was an open door. Uh, In 2019, the word was thrive. And and in 2020, as I was praying, it it was was from July, August, I started feeling God putting this on my heart. And it just began to just, I just kept seeing this word, hearing this word, and the word was wonders. And and I love that we sang that as our first song today, uh, because I believe that 2020 is going to be the year of wonders, where I believe God is going to do wondrous things among us. God is going to do wondrous things in our families. In fact, last Sunday, if you were here, we studied from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3, where we heard the story of a guy who was lame uh, from birth, and this miracle, this incredible miracle happens. Peter and John uh, lifts this guy up. They see the miracle happen, and there's a word there that tries to define the course of that miracle, and it says in Acts chapter 3, verse 10, it says, then they knew that it was he, talking about the guy who was begging and it was lame but now he was healed he who sat begging arms at the beautiful gate of the temple and then it says and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him and and I believe that is what God is going to do in our lives I believe that is what God is going to do in our church and in John chapter 5 verse 20 Jesus is talking about the father and he's talking about the father's heart and he says for the father loves the son and shows him everything that he's doing and he will show him still greater things so that you will be filled with wonder. I wonder if perhaps sometimes God allows situations to take its course and allows us to go through trials and tribulations, not so much so that we can just have experiences, but perhaps to rescue us so that we might be mesmerized and be filled with wonder, knowing that it's surely God who could save us. If you're going through a situation right now that only you know that God is the only source that's going to save you, can I say you are a good candidate for the wonder card. You're a good candidate to see God do the wonder in your life. And I want to say this. I want to prophesy this over you. This is not just a word that sounds good. I, w- I literally want to prophesy this over you, your family, your finances, uh, your, your situation. That 2020 is going to be the year of wonders. And with that, let us pray. Father, we thank you, God, that you're the God of wonders. That before you do anything wonderful, 
Even when we worship you, we are filled with awe and wonder. Let us never get so used to you. Let us never get comfortable with you. Let us always be like that kid in the candy store that is mesmerized anytime we come and walk into the presence of God. Even this morning as we position ourselves around your word, when the book opens, let our hearts be open. Let our minds be open. Let our spirit be open. Let our eyes be open. Let our ears be open. Let our hands be open so we can receive what you have for us. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, next week we are having Vision Sunday. Usually Vision Sunday is in February, but I said, I'm so excited. We've got to pull it back and do it in January because why waste a month when we can get into vision mode? And can I say, if you have been part of Downpour, if you've been here for the last three years, uh, if you've been here for the last two months or the last two weeks, can I say, you do not want to miss Vision Sunday. It's not just going to be this sounds good and that looks good and we're not just going to make it all good and put a bow on it. No, we are actually going somewhere. There's stuff happening and I just want you to be here. I'm holding myself back so that you can be here next week and so we can make this work and look at what God has for us in 2020. Are we ready? I want to read from Luke chapter 4, verse 17. This is another story, another story where people, if you, it's funny, when I started when I started looking at the word wonder in the Bible, I found probably close to 185 instances where the word wonder is. You wouldn't expect that. You know, you can understand that about faith, or you can understand about that about mercy, but the word wonder is throughout Scripture, in the Old Testament and the New. And here is another story in the Bible where we have the wonder word. The story is Jesus is preaching in a house. The house is so packed. And what happens is that there is a guy who is again paralyzed, but he cannot enter the room. And so his friends break open the roof, suspend him from the ceiling, and Jesus he sees their faith. The guy gets healed, and the Bible says pretty much the, the room gets gripped with wonder. Why don't we read it? Luke 4, 17, it says, One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strong with Jesus. I want us to remember those words. The Lord's healing power was strong with Jesus. Before anything happened, God's power was there. Before they sang a song, God's power was there. Before they gave, take a, took up an offering, God's power was there. And, and, and talking about offerings, at the end of the service, we are actually going to be taking up another offering to give to the bushfire relief that needs to happen across our nation. Uh, we're partnering with our movement. I'll talk about it in a bit, but I'm just getting you in gear in case you need to work out what you want to give towards that. But we'll talk about it. But before they did anything, it says the healing power of God was present. I think it's important to note that. Verse 18, it says, some men carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat, they tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. That's a great problem to have. Feels like this morning. I hope every day feels like this. You know, they were like telling me, should we, you know, we usually have the nine and the 11 at the moment, we're not. And I'm just sort of like, well, let's see where people are at. Let's see the hunger. And I reckon next, next week there's not going to be a single chair. And then in a few weeks we probably have to start three services. You never know. But, but, but you know, here's, here's the thing. So when they, so they went up to the roof and took off some of the tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Verse 20, it says, seeing 
their faith. That's another word. If, you wanna, if you've got an old school Bible, underline it. If you've got a new school Bible, just highlight it. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man. I'm scrolling down to verse 24. Due to lack of time, it says, and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Verse 25, and immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up picking up his mat and went home praising God. Verse 26 is what I want to zone in on. Everyone was gripped with great wonder. It's not just one person. I was thinking the other day, how great would it be if I was leading a church where everyone was gripped with wonder? Not just the first row, not just the people in spitting distance, but, but the whole church would be gripped with wonder, a sense of awe that any time we come together, any time God's people gather, that the blind will be healed, the sick will be made whole, that the lame would walk, that the deaf can hear, that, that sense of wonder that anything can happen. And they praise God, and look at what they said. They said, we have seen amazing things today. We have seen amazing things today. See, the reason why, the reason why the people were filled with wonder was because Jesus healed somebody. But the reason why Jesus was filled with wonder was not because he knew he could heal. The reason why Jesus was filled with wonder was because he saw somebody's faith. It's one place to let God wonder us. It's another place for our faith to wonder God. And so when we talk about this wonder thing and God's about to do wonders, what attracts the nature of God is when faith begins to shift in us. See, the story began with the fact that the power of God was present to heal, but nobody got healed until somebody entered the room with a sense of faith. See, I want you to know that as you walk into 2020, you have entered this year, you've entered this decade with the power of God to do exceedingly, abundantly more than you can ask, imagine, or think, but it begins by the posture. See, every, the, the room was packed with people, but there was only one person that could move the hand of God. Because this person had the sense of awe, the sense of, I don't care if there are no seats in the room. I don't care if I haven't booked in advance to be there. I don't care if no one saved me a seat. I don't care. My paralysis is not going to come in the way. I'm going to make some space because he was filled with wonder, knowing that maybe God can do something. I need you to understand that your posture plays a huge role in experiencing the wonder-working power of God. And I've come to realize that I need to be at a place of wonder to experience the wonders that God has for me. So today is going to be quite practical. Obviously, we've shared vision, we've casted heart, we've casted conviction and word, but I want to call today's message the wonder school because I want to talk about three ways I can practically stir up wonder inside of me. Three ways. It's one thing to say, oh, great, it's going to be a year full of wonders. What does that really mean? Well, let's work it out. Three ways where I can practically stir up wonders inside of me. The first way that you can stir up wonders or ignite wonders is by your memories. By your memories. As humans, we have great memories when it comes to bad things. I don't know if you realize this. 
Like our mind, it's the way we've been designed. And the reason we've been designed that way is so that we can protect ourselves and, you know, the stuff's hot, the kettle's hot. Like from childhood, we've known the danger zones. But what happens is as life goes on, you sort of begin to build your life around just being on the side of caution. And what happens is we've got a great memory when it comes to bad things, but we've got a poor memory when it comes to good things. And so what we need to do is we need to teach ourselves to remember good things. In fact, I think what's worse is not just the fact that we forget. What's worse is when we climatize ourselves to the goodness of God. Do you know you can climatize yourself where at one point, even for you to be doing what you're doing, even for you to be married to the person, the fact that you're married to somebody is a miracle in itself, but we won't even go there. Yeah, it's the same with me, but we've climatized ourselves, haven't we, to our lifestyle. We've climatized ourselves for the things that we take for granted today, but was a miracle yesterday. We climatize ourselves, ourselves to the goodness of God and that dispositions ourselves to receive more that God has for us. And what was once a miracle becomes the ordinary. And the problem with ordinary is an ordinary mindset is the breeding ground for criticism. An ordinary mindset is the breeding ground for criticism. It's like the person that fasted and prayed for four months to get a job and now they're complaining that they've got to wake up and the traffic and this and you were unemployed for four months and like, you know, you were avoiding people and we forget that, don't we? Because we get climatized to the goodness of God. And can I say to you, it's not just us that go through it. David went through it himself. King David. King David that built cities, built palaces, occupied places, built the altar of God. He went through that. And in Psalm 77, I want to sort of break Psalm 77 and read these words because I believe it's going to bear witness to us. Psalm 77 verse 1, it says, I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. And then I find the next part amusing. It says, my soul refused to be comforted. Have you ever been in that place with God where God is trying to talk to you, but like I refuse it? Like how some of us can be when we even hear the word for the year is wonder. Well, Pastor Elwin's just excited that it's 2020, the calendar is switched. He's got to come up with a word. He can just pull something out. Maybe he was watching Alice in Wonderland and he said, that's a good word. Let's <laughs> pop that in there. You know, like, like we can have that connotation. Like it's like God is speaking, but I refuse to be comforted. Have you been there? I mean, I've been there. I'm just being honest. Like there have been moments where I've been frustrated with God. It's like, God, you call me to do this and you call me to do that. You call me to lead this. You call me to do this. And then I'm in worship and I start feeling the presence of God. And I, and I say sometimes, oh, stop, you, you better stop this. One more goosebump and we're going to talk about this, God. Before we go there, we're going to talk about this. God, I need a plan. I need a strategy. I need your voice. It's almost like David is saying, God is trying to comfort him, but his soul refuses to be comforted. Isn't that crazy that our soul can make a choice even when God is trying to comfort us? And then it goes on to say, I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. It's like some of us that have issues with anxiety where we feel overwhelmed. Our spirit gets overwhelmed. But then check out what it says in verse 4, another funny scripture. It says, you hold my eyelids open. Has God ever done that to you? <laughs> you hold my eyelids open. I wonder if David was literally saying that. I wonder if he was saying, 
because sometimes anxiety and being overwhelmed can cause our eyes to slip down. And when your eyes slip down, you lose vision. I love the fact that God never addressed his anxiety but chose to lift his eyes because God said in the middle of your anxiousness, you can still have vision, you can still have a future, you can still hope. See, the reason why the enemy fills us with anxiety is not so that he can kill us, but so that he can make us go to sleep. Because as long as you're sleeping, as long as you've got no, you don't have your eyes on the future, as long as you've got no hope for tomorrow, as long as you're in slumberland, he can have you crippled. You hold my eyelids open. In other words, keep your vision going. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. For some of us, I'm so troubled that I cannot post anything on my story. I've considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. And this is where, this is where David switches. He switches from being anxious. He switches from being overwhelmed. And then he says, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart. And my spirit makes a diligent search. I read the word diligent search. When you look at it, it makes to take inventory. He started documenting some things. And in verse 10, we read what he does. He, and he said, then I said in my anguish, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. And here we go. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. Church, I want you to know the ability to remember the goodness of God is a choice. David was overwhelmed. David was panicking. David wasn't feeling the vision for the year. He wasn't feeling momentum. He wasn't feeling that great. But in a moment, at some point in that battle, in that struggle, he says, I will choose once again to remember the goodness of God. I will choose to remember the time God saved me from the lion. God saved me from the bear. God saved me from Goliath. God saved me from that job. God saved me. See, some of you are crying about the fact that you're single, but you got to praise God that you're single because he saved you from that beast. He said, they're not fashion, they are real. <laughs> I usually wear contacts, but I've just had a vision upgrade. So <laughs> he saved you. So we gotta be thankful about not just the things that God has done, we gotta be thankful about the things that God hasn't done for us. And uh, understanding the goodness of God is a choice. Then it says in verse 12, I will also meditate on all your works and talk of your deeds your way, O oh God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Then in verse 14, you are the God who does wonders. I wonder what it would be like as a church if you could just get that as the confession of our lips in 2020. You're the God who does wonders. What is he doing? He's, he's stirring up the wonder within. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have, with your arm, redeemed your people. Then go on what it says. He says, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Can I ask you a question? Where was David when Joseph and Jacob were around? He was not even born. See, I hear people tell me things like, I will start praising God when God starts being good to me. Do you know you can praise God for the good things he has done for people around you? Yeah. I call it faith on credit. 
I call it borrowed faith. I call it, I haven't seen my breakthrough yet, but if you can inspire me, if your story can impress me, I'm going to praise God for your miracle. I'm going to praise God for your story. I'm going to praise God for your marriage because as I start praising God, it rubs on. Check out what it says in verse 16. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you and they were afraid. The depths also tremble. What is David talking about? Do you know what he's talking about? He's talking about Moses and the Red Sea. Can I propose to you that David was not on the banks of the Red Sea when that happened, but there was faith in him that positioned him in such a place that he looked down through the lens of history and he looked down on the goodness of God and he started declaring the good things that God has done. Can I say to you, sometimes we say, I will start believing when God does big things in my life. I wanna say to you today, no, start believing big so that God can begin to do big things in your life. One of the greatest ways to remember, one of the great, and I'm going to bit, get practical about it, one of the greatest ways to remember is by journaling. We encourage everyone to journal what they're reading, what they're studying, but one of the things in my journals is I write about what I'm believing for. I remember around January 2019, Lee and I went to a French cafe because that's where you go when you want to write down vision. <laughs> we went to a French cafe and we opened a book and we started writing down a few things. I'll share a few things we wrote down. We wrote down, I said to Leah, it's great what God is doing, but we need a campus pastor. So we wrote on a campus pastor. And, and then, then we started talking. How old do you want the campus pastor to be? It'd be nice if they're younger than me. Do, do you want them to have kids? Yeah. It'd be great if they have at least one. So write down, parents, got to have a kid. We wrote down in the book, about a worship pastor. What would we want the worship? I think it would be great if we have a worship pastor who's female. Because, you know, our worship team is a bit anxious and then we want a mother to mother them and feed them. And, come here, come here, come here. Come here, come here. So we're like, let's have a mother. It'd be great. Like the guys, I mean, I'm already quite tough and intimidating. So let's get a female in the mix. It'll be great. So we wrote, I'm telling you the truth. And they're like, do you want her to be married? Yeah, I think it will be good for her to be married. Just in case, just for stability. Do you, do you want her to have kids? Yes, it'll be good for her to have kids. Just because we're all having kids, so like, just connect better. So, so we didn't know there was going to be four, but anyways. So, so, so what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that we have begun to see every year we write down things. Sometimes it takes two years. Sometimes it takes a year. Sometimes it takes six months. But can I say, when you begin to write down as God inspires you, he will bring into remembrance and he will begin to outplay the things of God. I want to encourage you to get a hold of some testimonies, begin to write it down and begin to believe with God. Here's the second way. That was my longest point. The second way is you can stir up the wonders by a word from God. In 2016, when we began to pioneer this church, there was a season when we were in our early days, when we were just gathering people, there was a season when few people left. There weren't many, just five people, but when you've got 20 people, that matters a lot. That's like, that's like 40% of your church. And so, and so it was sort of a time of discouragement. I went to God and I started praying and I said, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I started saying, God, give me a strategy. Give me a strategy. I started going after God. Give me a strategy. And God gives me a scripture from Acts 7, 49, which says, what kind of house will you build for me? says the Lord, or where will my resting place be? And I got confused because I'm like, God, I'm asking you a question and you're asking me one back. 
Sometimes God does that. And can I say, I got gripped with that scripture. What kind of house are we building for God? What kind of house is Downport called to be? What kind of house can you build me? God began to ask me this question, and I tethered my leadership. I tethered my worship. I tethered my direction. I tethered my speech. I tethered my calling to these words. What kind of house can I build for God? Can I say to you, every prayer from that moment has been anchored on those scriptures. I want to encourage you as a church over the next weeks, I want you to find a scripture for yourself. Find a scripture for your family. Find a scripture for your health. Find a scripture for your finances, and when you go to, can I say, because this year, 2020, you're going to be tested in those areas. Your health may be tested, your finances may be tested, your family may be tested, your relationships may be tested, but when those things are tested, you have a scripture that you can tether your soul to and say, I'm going to find my strength in this. I'm going to attach myself to this word, and I'm going to allow the wonder of that to speak in me. Psalm 119, verse 11, it says, I treasure your word above all else. It keeps me from sinning against you. Sinning is just not doing the wrong thing. Sinning is that place of negativity, that place of unbelief, that place of disappointment. And David is saying, I've treasured. See, a lot of times we say, yeah, I have, a, I have the word. This is not a word. This is not the word. This is a word. I want to ask you right now, if you, are, if you are the male leader of your family, if you're the husband in your household, do you have a scripture for your family? What is the direction of your family? Where are you leading your family in 2020? Because if you don't know how to lead your family, the devil's going to lead your family. Do you have a scripture? Do you have a promise? That is, that is a role. As I'm just taking a moment right now because I feel the Holy Spirit saying there are men in this room that have been a bit lazy about leading their homes. And 2020 cannot be that year. You need to get in a place of God, get in a place of prayer and say, God, I need a word for my family. I need a word for my children. As for me and my house, we're going to go after you. That's a great scripture, but what does that mean to me? And I want to encourage you in this season to go there. Number three is stir up the wonder by purpose. See, one of the things whenever I tell people is get a scripture for your family. I know the classic scripture that's for every family. It's in your toilet. I know it. <laughs> As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. <laughs> but here's the question. When was the last time as a family you served the Lord? It's great to code it and to post it and to tag it and to insta it and get the new filter on you version and put your whole family in it by the beach. But that really, that really does not mean that is happening. So you got to stir the wonder by purpose. Let me tell you another word for purpose. Purpose equals action. What are you doing about it? What are you doing about that word? What are you doing about that thing? I want to read this story that's going to inspire you. It's a bit funny, and I want to read it. It says, one winter day in Biloxi, Mississippi, a 25-year-old woman decided to kill herself. She felt her life was pointless, and there was no purpose for her existence. She went to the bridge over the Mississippi River. The water was cold, and the bridge was high. She climbed over the railings and threw herself over she hit the water and started sinking. Unknown to her, a man on the bank of the river saw her jump. When he had not seen her surface, he jumped in to rescue her. She was sinking deeper when she heard him dive in. But then she started to hear the poor man flailing around when she jumped in. Because the man had forgotten that he does not know how to swim. 
The heroic idiot was splashing and screaming, help, help. Now check this out. So the woman who was trying to kill herself swam to him and pulled him out to the beach. He was choking, so she gave him mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Somebody who arrived just then on the scene called for emergency. Both of them were taken to the hospital and both of them survived. That night, it wasn't the man who saved her life. It was purpose that saved her life. Her purpose was to save that man's life and that gave her a mission. Stir up your wonder by purpose. One of the greatest ways of doing that is by serving. I'm not just saying serving the church and serving that. And whenever I do that, it's like, oh, pastor's doing an appeal. No, please, if you don't feel like serving, don't serve. If you don't have the heart to serve, please don't serve. I actually don't want you to serve. Serve for your sake. Serve if you have a revelation. But can I say to you, join yourself with something bigger than yourself. Join yourself with a cause that is bigger than the the calamities and the troubles that you face. A great place to find purpose is by serving. Uh, Or maybe it's a circle. Maybe it's being in a circle. Maybe it's starting a circle. Maybe it's DNA. In a couple of weeks, we're going to start DNA. And it's a great place to find your gifting, to find your calling. In the next few weeks, we're starting something else called the lifestyle of faith. And I want to encourage people that want to grow greater and know more about the Word of God, grow in God. That's a great thing to be a part of. On Wednesday this week, we are doing our internship information night. And if you want to be a part of that, that's a great place to begin. That's a great place to get into the things of God. But I want you to find something greater that you can attach yourself. If none of that sort of works, come back next week. Next week is Vision Sunday, and there's going to be a few things that we're going to announce and share and speak that might really speak to you and lead you in a powerful way. But I've come to realize that we've got to do something within ourselves that say, I'm going to attach my purpose to the things of God. And when you begin to do that, you begin to develop a wonder for the kingdom. You begin to develop a wonder for the things of God. You begin to see God move in supernatural ways, not necessarily directly in your life, but indirectly to the lives of other people.